0: Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for being patient with us and for listening to our show, as always. And we hope you've been enjoying the bonus clips. If you miss Robin Rich... Yes, I speak about myself in the third person. If you miss us, we've continued to publish new episodes of our Kings of Khan podcast. So check that out. You can find it anywhere you listen to your podcasts. It's called Kings of Khan The Podcast, if you really like us, you can be a member of the Patreon team, the infamous Baldwins, who benefit by getting bonus content from Robin Rich, including video, every week. So if you haven't started listening, we thought you might we might get you started with an episode that featured our friend from the show that we were all on together, Mark Shepard. So please enjoy this episode, and we'll be back with new episodes of Supernatural Then and Now very soon. Hey, hey. Going on, Rob and Rich are the Kings of Con. Live from Far Studios and wherever Rich is, it's Kings of Con with the podcast. This week's guest, the Kings of Con, Mark Shepard.
1: You know, Rob and I did a little podcast the other day, a couple of, I guess maybe a couple weeks ago now. But we did the three, two, one clap, and on my end, it was literally the first time ever it was exactly synced. It was like boom, and Rob was like, "Oh, what a train wreck! You're jerking me around." I'm like, "There's definitely an internet difference here. Like, it, it, it's some, it's not us,
0: yeah. it's
1: it, you yeah. know." So, but it also it's Rich,
2: but not us. Yeah, not it's, us. but it's
1: also me. Uh,
0: hey, rich, and so, how funny was that when Hank responded to you last? Like, oh, one, so two, funny. three, four. Fuck you, Avenue. It was so funny. Definitely so not. Hank, Hank,
1: definitely not your voice. You know what I mean? I went like,
0: out with Hank last night and Hank was, I showed him a picture or something. He had my phone and while he's looking at my phone, Richard pipes just texts me randomly. What's your address? So I just saw him punching something in and I don't know what he was doing. I was like, what'd you just do? And he responded one, two, three, fuck you Avenue. It's actually one,
1: two, three, four. Fuck you. It was, it was the 1200 block. Of ah, fuck you. A Avenue.
2: Perfect Hank for fun It was yeah. very
1: funny. Um, uh, and and so part of the fun of doing this last podcast, Tina, was, Rob and I realized, after two years of doing this, I mean, it was the first mm-hmm. time we've been in the same room.
0: Yeah. I know. It, I it, it
1: totally changed the dynamic. I was like, whoa. I mean.
2: Yeah.
0: yeah, we texted you that picture, right?
2: Yeah, and I was like, oh, you're together.
1: Yeah. It definitely <laughs> makes, I mean, maybe made Rob and I think, man, you know, I should be rolling over to his fortune Studios to be doing this because.
0: Yeah. I know, it, and so it, we went out after we had a drink. We said, "Hey, Thursday, we're Friday. You're we coming did, over to my we house. Did, we did not say that, didn't we? <laughs> <laughs> and so here we, here we are. Oh well, back on the <laughs> <laughs> I mean,
1: okay. it's a, it's after school. All the kids are out. It's tough, but but we should, if we can do it. It, it was pretty great. No, no, no. I yeah,
2: know.
0: So, so okay, let's get this party started. Um, um, okay, Mark Andreas Shepard. Andreas,
1: uh huh. Like an Andreas. So if it's his fault, we can say, "Well, it's Andreas' fault." Andreas'
0: fault. Um, is an English actor and musician, drummer. He's often credited as Mark A. Shepard. Mark. Um, a Shepard. Mark, a Shepherd. And that's why I thought it was appropriate to get him on for Christmas. Right. Um, Shepard is known for playing the demon king of hell Crowley on Supernatural and for his recurring roles as Romo Lampkin on Battlestar Galactica, uh, Interpol investigator James Sterling on Leverage, and small-time crime lord Badger on Joss Whedon's Firefly, amongst many, many other things. Oh, yeah. And finally, the day has come. Well, we can welcome the one and only Mark, Mark Shepard. Shepard, to he's our... so
1: close, I can feel it. I'm on pins oh, and needles. Best. Mark, I admitted him.
2: It's like he's like... almost
1: uh, uh, Wait. Uh,
2: Yay! Uh, hey! <laughs> yes. Yay! Hey.
1: Hey. I want to be at that back backyard. What's up, Mark?
3: How's it going?
1: It, it's going very well. Dude. Long time Finally. no see.
3: What's going down? Is that a is that ahead of you or me on your That's, shelf? It's, over there? A, it's are you okay. sure, Rob?
0: It could yeah. be I it don't could know. be me. I went to the yeah. I went to the head shop and I said yeah. <laughs> What do you have in a shepherd?
1: He said.
3: Um, okay, so where in the world are you, Carmen Miranda?
1: Well, uh, Rob's in his home studio. Yeah. I'm in the home office, so I'm in Los Angeles, California as well and tina's mm. in a trailer but also los angeles california
2: i'm on set right now yeah, so. <laughs> so I, took a little, I snuck away
1: <laughs> and you i assume are in your glorious backyard
3: i'm in the backyard yeah. nice lovely uh, oh right yeah. yeah that's nice. so cool yeah dude nice fountain wow it's awesome and uh,
0: smoking a cigar that's it you like to do
3: smoking a stogie healing yeah, oh, is that is that all good. new yeah. He's showing
0: us his uh, tattooed arm.
1: Wait a minute, so that's... It's fantastic. All new. Very That's new. substantial, man. Oh.
0: That's
3: awesome. Well, you know, I used to have them at the top of my arm. Yeah, so yeah.
0: How much does that hurt? Gonna, uh,
3: right now? Yeah. Quite a lot, actually. Does it? That was Monday, so I'll be back in tomorrow.
1: How many oh, days God. have you been doing... How long has this that's process been on the new tattoos?
3: Like five sessions of seven to 10 hours each.
1: Good. Wow. Gravy. Wow. That's no joke. Are you doing it yeah. in the, what, what, what area? Where, where are you doing this?
3: In LA, it's a, a very weird story. An old friend of mine, Kevin Quinn, who was quite a famous tattooist. He, uh, we, we had a mutual friend uh, and uh, I knew him 30 odd years ago. And he tattooed at Sunset Strip. He tattooed a hanky panky in, uh, uh, in, in amsterdam and he was just a really famous guy he, like the famous story about him uh, tattooing guns and roses he went on tour with them for like three or four months and traveled the world with them and then duff one day i think when duff got sober he turned around he goes man you were on tour with us i'm just so sorry i never got tattooed by you and kevin was like i did that one i did that one <laughs> He did. That one, it was uh, yeah. Jeez, so he and geez. I are survivors of an era. I think uh, he was a, he's a great musician. So I'm actually wearing a shirt in his honor. Oh, cool! From Detroit. Oh,
1: nice! Awesome. That's awesome.
3: Family shirt. Yeah, um,
1: <laughs> it's just one for the kids. <laughs> <laughs> nothing yeah, nothing, nothing says, says "Merry Christmas, kids" like a syringe, uh, right yeah, there on the tee. T- well,
3: t- it's it's kind of the embodiment. The T's of, of
1: Detroit. in
0: Detroit are both <laughs> syringes for those following along in the on podcast. <laughs> right there,
1: you go. Exactly. Wow. Is, is that the name oh, of the band, Baker, Baker
3: Drive Train? No, no, no. That's actually, Baker Drivetrain is is uh, transmissions for Harley-Davidson motorcycles. Mm. That's the best way to, to explain it to well, you. Well, cool. so, if
1: you have to ask, <laughs> you're not a harley <laughs>
3: <driver>. <laughs> Well, look, Well, you, you got to remember, I, I didn't start out as an actor. I started out as a musician. Right. So there's a whole part of my history which is connected to me surviving uh, that era of my life. And as you both know very, very well... I stopped playing for 20 years after I got sober. I just, I didn't pick up a pair of drumsticks. I didn't do anything. And uh, bizarrely enough, thanks to Loudon Swain and you and uh, and uh, especially I think Billy kind of bullied me into playing one day. And it was, it,
0: it into- yeah, was that your, uh, it was y- y- your panel. So you're on stage at your panel and sort of answer questions, not as a musician, but sort of as an actor. And And Billy was like, well, let's see it then. Get on the drum kit. You're like, yeah. all right. I got the drum kit, and we played uh, "Back in Black," and you. The nicest thing that
3: Billy said afterwards is, "Oh, you play drums." And,
0: yeah, yeah, now you play drums. And, and, drums. and, yeah, and, yeah. and in typical yeah. Mark Shepard form, it was, uh, it, it's a great band story. You you played it, and then you told us that we were playing it wrong. <laughs>
3: you played it too fast. <laughs> it wrong. I mean. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but that's
1: but uh, that's Mark Shepard for thank you guys. You're playing
0: exactly. it wrong. <laughs> That's Mark Shepard. That was really fun, guys. Yeah.
3: Which is why I keep Robin Rich around is to translate yeah, all the. We speak uh, We
0: speak Shepherd.
1: We
3: have in life.
2: You can sense it calling out to you. New reality seeks you. Join the journey to save Anomaly. A place where sound is magic. The only way to enter the world is by looking inward. Along the way, you'll learn potions, chants, and enchantments that will help you, both in that reality and yours. So, answer the call and let your campaign begin. Featuring the voices of Ruth Connell from Supernatural and Dead Boy Detectives. There are ordeals ahead. Yet with guidance, you will face them head-on without fear. Todd Stashwick from Star Trek Picard and Twelve Monkeys. When the time arrives, wherever your journey takes you, be there with no attachments. And R&B singer N.C. Gray. There are worlds, realms, dimensions, and realities beyond yours. Anomaly is a role-playing meditation podcast that takes you into a world of magic and fantasy. You'll be invited to imagine yourself in scenarios such as learning to cast a tranquility spell or exploring a land vanquished by a dragon, but all connected by a shared mythology. The goal of guided fantasy role-playing meditations are to help you cultivate a sense of wonder, curiosity, balance, and joy in your inner world. Role-playing meditation is a form of escapism and relaxation, as well as a creative outlet for the imagination. The first campaign is an introduction to the world of Anomaly, its lands, magic, and secrets. In the eight chapters, you'll stretch your imagination, learn to center yourself, Offer forgiveness, find confidence, relieve stress, and stop racing thoughts. Your true self will emerge, allowing you to manage your goals and dreams without confusion, distrust, or self-doubt. You can find it on Spotify, Apple, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Or visit seekanomaly.com to learn more. Anomaly spelled with an I-E, not a Y.
3: Seek Anomaly it's magic
0: so, so I have a question for you you're talking about yeah. your music
1: years what and you're talking about that era what what time frame like from when to when when is your yeah. sort of your music window
3: so i started I started playing drums around twelve years old and uh, my dad lived in a house with the mother of uh uh Drummer from Madness, Woody, who became the drummer of Madness at that And point. what city? Give me also, a
1: city. Where are you at this point?
3: That was in London. Okay. And uh, that England. was in London, England. And she was the floor manager of Top of the Pops, which was the chart show in yeah, England. Yeah, big deal. So they had thousands of records. So I was listening to, you know, obscure, obscure, interesting vinyl at around, you know, 13, 14, 12, 13, 14 years old. And I bought my first drum kit off Woody when I think I was 12 or 13. And uh, yeah, I ended up working in a drum shop on Portobello Road in London, and then I ended up making records from about the age of fifteen onwards. I was signed to Rough Trade, and I probably made thirty or so albums.
1: And as a as a studio drummer, or with a certain band?
3: As a studio drummer with certain bands, I was with the TV personalities, and I was with ancillary bands to that. Who it's it's the weird bands that in the very very early 80s were the musicians musician bands you know what i'm saying that the bands that sort of influenced other bands so i first played with robin hitchcock when i was 17 um in i'd say 1980 and i finished playing with him in 1981 i was just a kid then i toured with him and bizarrely enough when i finished uh when i finished supernatural i went out and toured with him again in 2017. Ah, That's great. So uh, I went out and played, you know, 40 years of his music and had a lot of fun doing so.
1: Now, when Robin, when you were playing with Robin Hitchcock and you were 17, what's the age gap there? Like, what's, is he, is he also, was he 19 or what's it?
3: Uh, Robin's 65, 66, I think. So he's, uh,
1: so he's early 20s at that point.
3: He's eight eight years older, nine years older than me. And, And and you know, he was in the Soft Boys and the Soft Boys were like my favorite band. I went, I went up to him once at a, uh, uh, at a gig and said, uh, um, can I play in your band? And so he was like, uh, okay. So we did it. Wow.
1: Well, that's a, <laughs> that's how all negotiations go, kids. So if you're dreaming of being that's how a drummer, all
3: negotiations should go, especially in our just business. Walk up to your best.
1: favorite musician and say, Can I be in your band? And that's how you get in the band. Um so, and
0: so you when did so no acting
3: at that point for you? Um well when I was 17 years old, um a casting director there's a lot of weird things going on in london like you know spinal tap was being cast out of london and and sort of stuff and i was a drummer so they were asking if i you know maybe interested or whatever and i I wasn't particularly interested in doing that i don't know why well, i think
0: any drummer spontaneous for spontaneous Tap It's only like a day of work because yeah, you, you, you die, die.
3: <laughs> the spontaneous combustion yeah. element was not my favorite part but uh then there was this film that came up and and with this film um uh it would have it would have changed the trajectory of what i was doing at the time and I, I came second to a very very good actor and i got offered another film and i just turned it down and i said no i don't want to do this because i didn't like the rejection so now i do it for a living
0: yeah funny how that works <laughs> so Wait, can what, we know what, what was, it was the film what, what, yeah. what you missed out on and who the actor was
3: yeah i know what it was two big films
2: <laughs> you can't tell us well
3: yeah tim roth got both the roles which i thought was quite ah. funny so the first one was made in britain uh, which was amazing. Wasn't Cranston Gildenstern? No. No, the second one was the the hit. Ah. The current stamp. Oh, nice. So. Um, oh yeah. Yeah, it was. It was one of those one of those weird things. I decided to go make a record instead. So at the time that film was being made, I was at Rockfield in Wales, where they did Bohemian Rhapsody, doing a Barracudas record. Wow. And so I just I toured the world. I, world. I mean, I watched Spinal Tap the first time I watched Spinal Tap. I didn't laugh because <laughs> everything that ever happened in Spinal Tap had happened to right. me at that. Too time. close to home it was literally, I mean, I've had band members arrested okay. and taken to hospital through gigs. Pay attention. I got
1: Mitch. Frank in here to see, news
3: in the world. I, know, Frank? I haven't seen Frank in ages. Dude, the,
1: the, well, I'm, six and years. I haven't seen uh, any of your children in ages and I'm sure they're, I was thinking about your, your kids. Cause I know, Oh, there's Frank waving. Say hi there's Frank.
3: Hey Frank. Hi. My God, you're getting tough. That's
1: tall. what I'm saying. Like he's growing up.
3: Good looking boy
1: yeah. takes after his mother. As we like to say,
3: you know, I was I was going to say something else, you, but this is a family story. Um Yeah, but they're and like, or
0: he takes after his father, whoever that might be, or, or potentially, <laughs> yeah, that.
3: Thank you, Rob. You just spared me the ignominy of that. It really is sort that, of the,
0: the 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 softball, like,
1: ah? <laughs> and you guys, are like, who's picking up the bat? All right, yeah. yes, he's first. Um, I, all the kids have grown. I mean, I'm sure your kids, Williams, have got to be, you know.
3: Max is six six foot tall, 22 years old, playing jazz piano. Williams, uh, 16, just doing, getting ready to determine what he wants to do. And uh, he starts, I had to go buy two cars last week. What? Jeez. I had to buy two cars last week. I've got kids who right. drive cars. It's mind-blowing. Yeah, luckily, yeah. luckily, I've got some connections and stuff because, God, the prices are terrifying. But they're safe and that's done, and we're all good. Great. And I'm working. I'm busy and doing stuff, and finally got a couple of weeks off, so good. it's good. It's
1: great. Now you're. I, I'm going back. I'm circling back to the music journey, just because I find yeah. it fascinating. Because as as many conversations as, as you and I have had, Mark, music has not been the topic of most of them. Like so, I, I'm interested in knowing. So you you're offered these movies, and you're like, man, this ain't, this ain't for me. I'm a I'm a I'm a band guy. I, want, I like the live. I like the recording. I right, chickened
3: out. I chickened out it was that that classic anxiety meets um rejection concept at about sort of 17 18 years old right the great the great story the you know the bookend to that is i went back after i got sober i went back to england and went i'd done a play in la because i was the last person in la they could find to do it it was ridiculous and it was it was a big deal at the time it was back when 100 seat theater actually meant something I mean, I think Fishburn was doing Two Trains Running. Ed, Ed Harris was doing Scar at the Met. Mm-hmm. There was, um, oh God, there was an incredible. I think uh, Kentucky Cycle had just started. Oh God, I, I mean, it was one voice. of those, wow. like, it, was, it was an amazing time yeah. in theater. Really. Yeah. And so I did I did Cock and Ball Story with, with uh, Trevor Goddard and it was directed by Billy Hayes, the author and protagonist of Midnight Express. Oh, wow. Wow. Well, I managed to piss off on the first day by saying, I guess you don't go to Turkey on your holidays then.
1: <laughs> yes. Probably probably <laughs> too soon. It was invented from that Little moment. Well, I
3: mean, it had been 1978. Yeah. Or wow. I think it might movie. be over. I still
1: think like it's too soon. Yeah.
2: He was, no. <laughs> yeah. yeah, clearly.
3: He was actually more pissed off that the movie didn't the end the way he wanted it to end. He actually escaped in a rowboat. So he turned around to Alan Parker at the end of the film and said, so where's the rowboat? And Alan Parker said, which 45 minutes of the film would you like me to cut out and put the rowboat yeah. in?
0: Huh.
3: Yeah. Yeah. So thought it was kind of fun but uh, so i did this play and it, it seemed very natural for me to do and then i went back to the people who tried to cast me in these films in england and i went, did some amends and some fun stuff and uh all those sort of things you do when you get sober and they were like well about time and one of them said uh, well i'm doing this film and you're completely wrong for it but you never know and it sort of ended this incredible story of insanity and i was like a third person casting in the name of the father which was my first film amazing amazing and I, I had no idea what to do as an actor I mean I was doing this play and a wonderful old, you remember Barbara Clayman you guys must remember Barbara Clayman Barbara Clayman not re- she did um, she worked for Stu Siegel a lot back in the day okay. and uh she came to the play and she was like do you have a sad card and I'm like um no do I need one so she taffed heartily me in silk stockings. <laughs>
1: wow. I was like, okay. You're lucky that's all, all that happened to you in silk stockings. You know what I'm saying? I so, you know, <laughs> show. No,
3: I didn't put me in silk stockings. She put me in silk stockings. Um, there's um, a lot of
1: people at home who do not know what silk stockings is. Everybody in the world knows what I'm silk stockings is. I'm telling you, there's a generation of people is. who don't, and they're now Googling you wearing silk They're going to like, what? when did he wear?
3: Not stockings, <laughs> stockings.
1: Yeah, that's not what they're going to Google.
3: Rob Estes and Misty, Mitzi Capture. Dude, and, Rob uh,
1: Estes. There, there's, a, there's a name. I haven't heard that I name. Remember,
3: remember Charlie Brill? I love Charlie Brill. The comedian, wonderful guy. But, uh, you know, it just ended up with that. And, uh, you know, a bunch of agents came to the show because it was a big hit. And they're like, hey, do you have an agent? And I'm like, do I need one? Right. So I signed to an a- And then it just became this thing. And I ended up doing X-Files. And so I started killing but people. But at this point, had, you, had
1: you, you said earlier that you... You got sober, and you gave up the drums once you got sober. So was this during your sober period? Were you sober during this period?
3: Yeah. I connected shooting heroin and, and drinking with uh, drums, with with playing music. Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't know how to not do it that right. way.
0: Right. That's why it was so cool when you finally did it again. First, starting with us, and then of course getting back together with Robin, was that you you discovered that you still were good at it. You still had a love for it, sober.
3: Yeah, absolutely, yeah. and I mean, yeah. without 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 you and the boys and Rich, um, it was an amazing journey. We we took. I mean, I watched you guys. This is, this is a band I really like. So watch Loudon and Swain. And I'm going. Why are they wearing these hats? And why are they <laughs> yeah. playing oh, well. this crap? Yeah, I mean, they really. Let's play. give let's give I mean, a
1: backstory there. That was back when when yeah. Loudon Swain started doing supernatural conventions, and people who are loyal listeners the know the story. Funny, but right. to recap, the only way we could get the boys on the roster was to make up a fake band name and make them a cover band so which which i did swearing on a stack of bibles that it would work and we'd be able to get them out of the ga- out yeah. of the wigs i think and- it's
0: important to note that that rich was the mastermind of the entire thing yeah, yeah.
1: and it, and it yeah. worked but I, but there was definitely a lot of trust of like you want me to do <laughs> what and play what now
0: because wearing we what? we were in a cover band. We didn't do covers. And they, the idea was we were going to do cover songs. Well, then let's not be ourselves because that's not Loud and Swain. Yeah, they that became the, the
1: elastic idea. waistband. Yeah. And they all had personas.
0: <laughs> and wigs and everything, yeah.
3: I need a photograph to be put up at this point yes. of Mike Borja <laughs> in the hat yes. and the wig that he would wear on a continuous I don't basis. know, Mike
0: Borja, you
1: must be referring to Sir Richard Furlong, his alter ego, which was what yeah, we called remember? him during that oh, period. He was, wow. he was
0: English. He had a really <laughs> yeah. bad
1: English accent. Robbie for the uh, for, for the <laughs> patreon video maybe you'll slap this vi- the, the photo for, sure. for yeah
3: for sure oh it, it, it's kind of scary but to, but to love music as I love music as we all love music and to have this connection to music and to watch this you know I mean it it's it, it, nothing to do with creation I mean is that nobody had ever thought of the idea mm-hmm. of putting a proper band or doing a proper gig or doing a proper thing together and and it was this very interesting time where we convinced, I think the three of us convinced um, the bosses of creation, uh, Gary and Adam to give it a go mm-hmm. because, you know, everything was done through a vocal PA and everything was done mm-hmm. um, on the lower scale. Cause nobody was thinking about a concert. Right. right. And it very, very quickly turned into something rather wonderful and became a um, I'd say a runaway success. I think it, was so. great. it
0: was really, you, you two really, sh- sh- for lack of a better word, shepherded it, um, yeah. and, uh, really kind of made it happen, um, and, 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 allowed us to be ourselves. And, you know, uh, now they got a really good sound system. They don't have a good, still don't have lights.
3: No, but They're you know what Mark playing. did? No.
1: I'll tell you, cause it was, it was a, a, a team effort. And I remember it, cause I had sort of greased the wheels to get the band there to start with and then gotten the idea going of doing something like that. And Mark picked up the ball and what you, what you were able to do, Mark, which was like completely Swahili- to everybody else, is you convince them to think of it as a band, not actors playing music, and that's what right. changed that, the whole like thing. Because we and, are. And
3: subsequent, right. besides, me, sub, but yeah. subsequently, what was beautiful about it, what was extraordinary about it, was to see all the talent that these actors, who some of whom had never sang publicly and never done anything publicly, being eased into a really good band, being eased into it, and being shown that it was possible. And then I mean, just watching them working their butts off, trying to trying to give the best performance they could possibly give, and having the support of of a of a great show behind them. Right. Yeah. And you know, and, and it went from this tiny little thing to a fifty-three foot truck. You know, yeah. I mean, it was it's mind blowing, yeah. and I, I loved every minute of it. it was one. It was it was the saving grace of the amount of traveling that we had to yeah. do and the amount of. Uh, of work that we were doing at the time yeah. so it, it, and but it rekindled my love of what it was that we were doing and and i'm, I'm eternally grateful to you guys for that
0: it was
1: fun i, I
3: think i think the payback was the hamster at, at uh comic-con but that was uh...
1: there are there are great moments in entertainment and that is one of them
2: <laughs> it might so be again, for, yeah, a limited, it's to... for a
1: limited six thousand a limited people uh you know audience who saw it live it's one of those things you had to be there but you yeah. know for those
3: who were there well, what I loved was the fact that you were both terrified that I wasn't going to go with the game. One hundred percent.
0: Oh yeah, 100% one
3: hundred percent terrified. The, we
1: had scenarios in our head. This is the first time we'd ever hosted Comic Con. They had begged us to show them a script of what we we're going to do, and we'd refused because we didn't want you know we didn't want to we didn't want our jokes vetted because then like that never goes well. And we're like, no. well, we're going to do this thing, and and we're going to do it, and we're like, we'd run through scenarios like, oh, Mark is going to either be stone face storm off stage <laughs> you know Snapping maybe it. lean into it but i doubt it but anyway we had a storm we had a storm off stage scenario scenario planned out you, and, you had yeah, one built. We yeah.
3: what were you going to do if i stormed off Cry. stage we're going to burst
1: into tears and i, I think
0: <laughs> he, but, he was going to go <laughs> robbie tears <clears throat> and and i swore
1: we swore on a stack of bibles we're like we're not going to tell anybody about this until we're going to do it on stage. Cut to Rob backstage, 15 minutes before we go on, like pulling Misha aside, and going, "So uh, we're going to do this bit," and Misha's <laughs> like, "Oof, bad idea." Like, like, and so yeah. I'm not like, so Rob did the thing he swore he wouldn't do, and got the response we knew he'd get, which was, "Unless you see this thing, you, you it doesn't sound right. like
0: it's going to work." You and know? I said to Richard "I was like, we shouldn't do it. We shouldn't do it." Sweating, but we, we, it, we know
3: it was, we start, but it, it was so perfect. So, but the bottom line was, is that you know, look, you've got you've got to start from the basis that it's all about love. The, f- the fact that we have an audience that we have and that we've been able to be ourselves in so many situations right. and actually genuinely go through the things we've gone through in life, you know, survive the things we've survived in life, yeah. um, you know, births, marriages, deaths, near-death experiences, everything that's happened, we've done rather publicly. Yeah. I think it's Kind of extraordinary if you think about it. everybody says oh you know uh, I'm in a show it's a family and you're like oh god you know you start you start cringing because because you know I mean the reason we came up with supernatural family was because we were sick of the idea of fanatic we always hated the word fanatic and fan and that idea that it was something uh,
1: like an us and them something. thing we didn't we didn't like yeah
3: and also worthy of derision and worthy of of, of mimicry and and you know we knew our audience really really well and you know, to the upshot of that is you can take this in any direction. It's like, you know, every single day of our lives, we bump into somebody who is who, a fan of the show and says something to us about what the show means to us. And that that is extraordinary. But, you know, looking out at a Loudon Swain audience at a gig and they're singing every word, every single word. The first time I saw the kazoos, I nearly wet myself laughing. I thought it was the greatest thing. And this But this carries on. This carried on with our blooper reels. This carried on with our conduct on set. This carried on with the conduct with each other. Explain
0: the kazoos, Rob, so that we that people. Uh, We have a song called Medicated, and in the middle there's a kazoo solo. And so fans would would start
3: forced you to do as the encore. Do you remember? (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah. And we'd have and
3: forced you. I was like, this is the greatest encore. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And uh yeah, we'd we'd bring the actors on stage. We'd bring actors on stage with kazoos. And uh, anyway, there's a kazoo. But site. the audience
1: had kazoo. The, the point was the audience would bring out, you 1,500 kazoo's, yeah. kazoos in the audience. Yeah, yeah. It was amazing. By the way, not a COVID-friendly instrument, the kazoo. No, uh, well, I'm we're, not sure. You know, the... We used
0: to do this thing where we would go into the merch room on the middle of the day, Saturday, before we signed autographs, and do medicated, and everybody would, and if you didn't have a kazoo, you just put your finger in your mouth and go, and it was this really fun thing. We cannot do that anymore.
1: No, that may is not, not. happening. No, yes, you may not not. COVID, not a CDC COVID-19. says no more medicator from Leland and
3: Swain. A- <laughs> I'm not sure that's exactly what they <laughs> yeah. say. Yeah, it
0: this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What's the first thing you do if you had an extra hour in your day? What would you do? Would you go for a run, take a nap, read a book, watch Supernatural? Maybe all the above. Or maybe it's that thought that brings in a sense of panic. I mean, the question is, what time for what? If time is unlimited, how do we use it? Sometimes the hardest time for people who work every day is the weekends. When people are faced with a choice if I've got this free time, what do I do with it? If this rings true for you, maybe therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. I've benefited from therapy for many years now, and I talk openly about it. I still go to therapy um, about once a week, and it's just such a nice time for me to have that free space to to try to figure out who I am, really, and what I really want and what makes me happy. It's super important and often neglected taking this time. If you're thinking about starting therapy, get BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient and flexible and suited to your schedule. So all you do is you fill out this brief questionnaire, you get matched with a licensed therapist and then, oh, Get this, you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge because they want you to be happy. That's what this is about. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash S-P-N-T-A-N today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot slash S-P-N-T-A-N. Hey guys, it's Rob. So check this out. I'm very pleased to announce that we have a new super sponsor That's right. Marvel Strike Force. So Marvel, the one and only Marvel, has a mobile game and it's a comic book fan's dream. Marvel Strike Force is it's a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. So, okay, so your goal is to power up your favorite characters and you complete missions, and then you unlock fun stuff like gear and other resources, and then you beat other players in a PvP, player-versus-player player mode, such as Alliance War or Real-Time Arena. So, as, we, as I record this, they're enjoying their six-year anniversary, so you know what that means. Free stuff stuff just for signing up via the unique link in the description so the anniversary consists of weekly events and bonuses and if you complete each event you can receive special rewards and skins so make sure you log in every day each week you take advantage of all the new characters that are being released specifically for this event This will be Marvel Strike Force's most generous event to date, so don't miss out. We've received a unique promo code for every new user, so please follow our link in the description and use the promo code MAXPOOL. That's M-A-X-P-O-O-L. All right. Thanks once again to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode.
2: You know, you always
1: said something in your panel. Uh, because, we you know, we the band, we'd come on to, we'd, we'd intro you, and then we'd come on the convention stage to, to, to outro you. And you were always wrapping up with something, regardless of how the hijinks that you had uh, pulled off in the middle of your panel, how silly or serious or whatever it had been. You always ended with one of these lines. You would throw this in there, and I always thought it was so well stated. Uh, I would love to know if it's your own or if it's something you picked up along the way. But you, you would always say, I don't trust somebody who's not a fan of something. Like that's mine. And and I always thought that it was so meaningful, especially everybody in the audience. Cause it's like, for anybody who feels like it's us and them, for anybody who feels like I'm a fan of that person on the stage, ergo, we are different. I've always thought you oh. eloquently and simply made that not the case. You know what I mean?
3: It was kind of, it was kind of weirdly my job. Warner brothers used me a lot to do that with DVDs and stuff. And, and, you know, it would be my job to sort of codify certain aspects of it, of the show for, for public audiences. It was like, you know, we were given talking points or we were given things to do for the eight years that I was there. And the, the bottom line was, is the connection that the show has um, to its family <laughs> is so deep. And, and Warners was aware of this. And, and of course, CW is very aware of this. And we're all aware of it. And to disinclude them, was disenfranchising the the thing. I mean, Supernatural had what, three, four million viewers. Mm -hmm. And yet, you know, I can't walk down the street now, years after I'm done without somebody going Crowley or I love your work or thank you. And, and you got to remember the themes of what it was that we've been doing as actors and as director um, was a lot of those themes touch a lot of what is going on in the world right now. A lot of that stuff is a lot to do with mental health and brotherhood and, and, family stick of the motor oil or whatever and um you know the fact that that caring for each other is not a dirty word uh, being honest with each other is not a dirty word calling calling people out who are not doing well and and literally putting your hand out and helping them and you know there's a lot of personal stuff in rob's songs very personal stuff in rob's songs that touches the hearts of those that have actually read his lyrics and mm-hmm. scream his lyrics from the other side of the stage you know what i mean the street screaming at him and it, 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 it's a union, it's, you know, we don't exist without an audience. And I always used to say um, with television, we make TV with 150 of our friends. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, it's like everything we do, one, like one of my favorite moments ever in Supernatural is we did, that, uh, we did that episode where all those geese were outside, Rich, when you were directing. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and, exactly. Yeah, a million sure. geese sitting in a field right. in some way. It was really bizarre. And I was supposed to be projected through a door right so we do all these things we think of all these things we work on this stuff i know what rich wants to do middle light that kept going on and off and we had all the rest of this crap going yeah. on and it was the middle of the night it was freezing and we're late and we're doing all this stuff But it's 150 of our friends and we do that and we finish it and we wrap it up and it's done and then we give it out to post-production and then they make it better and they put the things in that make people laugh and they put these lovely little touches in but we don't know until we go to a convention we don't we haven't actually sat with our audience until we've gone to a convention right. and once we go to a convention that union that perfect union that we get on stage when we're playing happens with our audience in guest talks it happens with our audience one-on-one it happens in a way that no other show has ever given me the opportunity to do
0: right
3: so you know the best gag in the world was i was sitting in warner brothers i don't know if you know i was sitting in warner brothers and uh I had to do the ADR for me going through the wall. Okay. Or the barn door. Okay. And or Corey had to hit the tractor. Remember yes. that? It's one of the best stunts I've ever seen. Doesn't get any credit for that, but he literally traveled 20 feet into, yeah, into a tractor. Not, not and... a
1: foam tractor, by the way. Just a tractor. Oh,
3: a a massive Ferguson. From, no, from the no. 50s. It was like, it was a piece of metal. Wow. <laughs> and uh, and I thought, I think this, will, i I got a funny feeling I can make, uh, I can make uh, Bob and Rich blow snot out of their noses So I did the girliest scream I've ever done in my life which was so perfect for Crowley which stayed in it's my favorite it's my favorite scream ever it's my version of Wilhelm's scream, right. and I hope you steal it sometime and put it into something else but that's what we do that's the stuff that we do that we know how to do that if it comes off it's brilliant yeah. etc the stuff we do on stage the stuff we do in a guest talk is about what is in front of us and what the communication is and how somebody's feeling. Uh-huh. And I used to get bored sitting on a stage being asked questions by somebody. And it's like, what's it like working with Jensen and Jared? And all this, you know, what's Misha like? Do you guys ever play pranks on each other? I mean, it's like, that's the endless thing. So I just used to jump the stage, go down and assault the audience. Right, right. right. You know I mean, right. that's what yeah. I did. And that was the fun part of my day. Yeah. But the, thing, the reason was was to read the audience. The reason was is to find out how they are. So the stuff I'm saying at the end is really understanding that I've just spent forty five minutes or an hour making fun with people, mm-hmm. not of people, but with right. people. Mm-hmm. I make fun dressed as Misha, but that's that's just a running, long <laughs> running know, gag. Yeah. But you're seeing them, and you're in their faces, and you see what's going on. And people are so nervous to ask a question they can barely breathe. And people who have masses of issues, be it physical, be it mental, be it it just daily struggles, but people struggling to do this and they want to share their time with me. Mm -hmm. They want to come and be abused by me at a panel. Um, My job and my duty is to try to codify that and try to make that an experience of some sort. Mm -hmm. So everything I used to say at the end, I thought was really important to say, no matter how much fun we're having. You know, if you're struggling, get help. Those things, those things that we talk about all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, you're not on your own. But but I didn't tend to, I don't tend to slogan things because I guess Crowley was a slogan, you know, a a slogan queen, I guess, in the uh, in the supernatural world. Did have some great lines. Well, did you ever see that the last gig I did? I think it was either San Francisco or somewhere. The last one I did with you guys um, was everybody held up paddles with a line of mine on it It was about 80 paddles and it was mind-blowing because the context kept coming to me right so it wasn't the lines. some of the lines are like hysterically funny all the writers over the years have written great gags for me but stuff and it was just the connection but again the connection with the audience yeah a lot of people a lot of people wonder why i i I don't do the creation shows and the main reason you got it people have to know the main reason why i didn't and the absolute truth of why I didn't and why I didn't want to—I was offered another year and I didn't take it—and it's because leaving the show, which is my business with with um, with Bob and, and and the rest, which is nothing to do with my my fellow actors or anything else—I um, didn't want my friends spending a year being asked questions about when am I coming back and why was I killed or why was this happening. I didn't want Ruth, who I love with all my heart. I didn't want to do any panels with Ruth where they just constantly asked her questions about me.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: It's not, it, I didn't think it was fair for my friends. I'm happy my friends were working, so happy my friends were working and that they were doing so well and they were able to carry forward. And, you know, 12, which I didn't think was a particularly great season flipped really, you know, really well into a reboot. And, you know, my, my, my dearest friends managed to carry this forward and, and do another three years of, of great work. And i didn't need to be in the way i literally would have been like a carbuncle on the side of it right and i knew it was loved and i knew i was cared but it was also bloody contentious because of you know gossip and and people's ideas of what was going on and the truth of the matter was it was time to take a break mm-hmm. and, and let my friends be my friends and do what they were doing which was support a really good show that they were all still in yeah. you know it did feel a little bit, bit like you know. Uh, we're all having a party. Everyone, take one step forward, not so far, Shepherd. Right,
1: but um, right.
3: but it, there's there's no animosity there. I was done. It was time to be done. I didn't want to come back and do bits. Yeah. I didn't want to do any of that stuff. And I hope nobody thinks it's about us because mm-hmm. you know we're. I mean, we've we've had our fights. We've had our ups. We've had our downs. But that's what happens when you spend twenty six weeks yeah. <laughs> a year. Totally with with your friends totally. and, right. and it's got nothing to do with it it's like i love you all so dearly and i enjoy and relish watching you continue and develop and and, and adapt and watching rich becoming successful doing something he loves with all his heart and he's really damn good at as well i mean really damn Thanks. good at and, uh, you know that's the thing and i never i, I hate the idea that, that there's some sort of secret because there isn't mm-hmm. well it's interesting that yeah, you, you
1: say know. that because i i it I don't want to put words in Rob's mouth, but I never got the sense, whatever the exit strategy of of Crowley was from the, or lack thereof exit strategy of Crowley from the show, I never felt like was visited on the con circuit. I never felt like there was a negativity to, you know, like, because you're a beloved figure, and I never felt like that waned in the world of the convention. You know what I mean? Like, I I never... It would have just
3: been too complex. It would have just literally been the 800-pound gorilla in the room it just would have been endless it would have been an endlessly miserable experience for everybody having to answer questions about something that's still ongoing for my friends and now it's done mm-hmm. and now everybody's in the same boat yeah. we are all part of something mm-hmm. that means an awful lot to not only us but other people yeah. and that's a, a right. glorious and blessed yeah bed, and you something know?
0: that got way bigger than any of us could have imagined and you know what i mean i mean and and just, we were on the air for the show was on the air for fifteen seasons. It's remarkable there wasn't more actual drama,
3: you yeah. know. And I don't even, oh, it's getting yeah.
0: I don't think what happened with you as particularly drama. Just it, like you said, it kind of had run its course, and you were. Moving I, on. I, I, was-
3: I was I was I was not that excited by what I was doing, mm-hmm. and they were a little stuck on where they needed to go, and they had a very definite idea about what this next chapter was, mm-hmm. and I think ninety percent of it was a money issue to be absolutely honest right. and it was just like i don't really want to go backwards i'm on the poster for god's sake so I'm, i don't do windows you right. know i'm not going right. to come and do that and it, i just thought it, it got not it hadn't gone well you know but you know I, I called and thanked everybody i thanked my bosses and the powers that be and they were all like you know you're welcome thank you for giving us what you gave us yeah. and i'm happy to have been part of something yeah. that we all built right, right. we all built this right you absolutely. know I mean, look at my wedding, for God's sake. Yeah. My wedding was, it was the greatest example. Great the, last year, the last year of my working, people took their time off mm-hmm. from their vacation in Canada. Yeah. From their vacations, They were going. some people were going to Mexico. Those that could afford it. Yeah. Every single person was invited. With one Every mem-
0: clear exception. One person said... I wasn't invited.
1: Me, Tina, <laughs> that's and I not true. Invited. You
0: were invited. No, I, wasn't invited.
1: I was directing did. the hardest episode in the middle of prepping the episode. And with, uh, that was the, but I yeah. did get my Mark out in time to get married. I remember like that was my, that was my wedding gift. <laughs> That's the truth. That was your wedding gift. Oh my God. <laughs> Cause Mark had a huge arc in that episode and we we're like, yep. and it was Mark, young Mark. It was flashback Crowley with clean shaven. And then we had like, I mean, the, yep. I had more conversations about Mark stubble than I, I, than I've had about <laughs> having <laughs> children. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was long. And
3: the, the, the most amazing. make, you got to give credit to the boys too, is that Jared had the plane standing. By. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like you go, you gotta go, you go, because yeah. you're getting married. We'll come, we'll come, coach. Yeah. You know, and that's the thing is like you know we had painters and accountants and grips and electric and camera and and kids yeah. and people and, and it's just and that to me is the signal And the great joke was, I mean, you understand the whole point of that was is I, I went, how can I walk around a set? There's going to be people I've known for for years who may not like me very much. I am an acquired taste at times, but there's people, you know, everybody knows me and is kind to me, but I'm not going to walk up to select groups of people and say, do you want to come to my wedding? So I I said to my wife, I said, I said to Sarah, I said, I said, what do I do? And she said, invite them all. Hmm. I walked out and sat one day and just went, okay, I'm getting married this day. Everyone cheered. I said, you're all invited. If you get there, you get there and we'll take care of you. And everybody showed up in black tie. I mean, it was mind blowing. Yeah, Yeah.
0: I had to rent a, a black tie, but I was there.
3: You look superb. <laughs> um, I, I want to circle back. Did, they, to but the Robbie,
1: ham- did, did anybody <laughs> toss you their keys and go, don't park <laughs> it near anything?
3: Uh- <laughs> <laughs> people. Jason, Jason would have done.
0: It was the <laughs> only time I've
3: driven a Porsche.
0: Um, <laughs> so uh, what a, I got to circle back to the hamster story because we didn't finish that. And for the people that don't know what we're talking about. Okay. So I'm backstage at Comic-Con. Rich, this is a bad idea. Then Rich, why don't you take us through what, what happened next? Well, for starters, do you have the hamster? Like, is yeah.
1: the hamster there in your office? I, It exists somewhere. It used to be. It
0: used to be. It was at our old
1: office. Yeah. Well, well let they, me look so, as you're
0: telling the story. So the hamster was a used character
1: where, where Crowley had had, had zapped a, a witch into the body of a hamster. That be, that had been the story.
3: Oh, one of my greatest times ever was talking to a hamster in a tank well, with, a, with a necklace around it. and doing Right, exactly. So you
1: had, like, you did, your hamster was your co-star. So Rob and I thought it would be great to have the hamster make an appearance. So we you know, got Amazon to send us the closest approximation of a stuffed hamster. Yep. And, and Rob did the puppetry, uh-huh. and I did the voice. And, it, right. and the, the hamster, which no, no one ah! knew, but the hamster is from a little area, a little section of Brazil... Uh-huh. Where there's a strong French-Mexican influence.
3: No, no, no. It was no it was Italian, argentinian yeah. it's a very, yeah.
0: very niche neighborhood.
1: Very uh, niche. knew and that. And it
3: kept though. changing between the yes, two. Yes, it did.
0: Yeah. Well, it was yeah. nervous, and uh so Rich bent down beneath me, so I'm just at the podium holding, <laughs> holding this guy, the hamster.
3: And, and, I'm, and doing, um, I'm doing sorry,
0: the It
2: just voice. makes me laugh like God. A it was
0: super funny. Yeah, I was crying.
3: Yeah. I was literally and, and, crying and, and, with. And so the,
0: the amazing thing, like we said, we had we had these plans. What, would how would Mark react? And a Mark, Mark immediately, like a brilliant, like uh, improv artist, went right with it. Just right. Yes, did the bit, and and started talking to the hamster, and it was brilliant. <laughs> it was really, and it put us immediately at ease because we were in front of six thousand people.
3: It was your first yeah, time, yeah. Doing,
0: first time that. doing
1: it. Which, by the way, a lot of people so thought good. was a terrible idea. Like, we, you know, again, I remember Holly Ollis was nervous. She's like, So can you walk me through the bits? I'm like, No. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I love can't. Holly. Oh, she's great. God bless her. The, she then then let they, us do it.
0: Every year they would do this, but the first year it was especially nerve wracking. Yep. They would say the things we can't talk about. Oh, yep. Lord. Um, and that was the a, list. The list.
1: And the list of things. And the talking points. They, the they had points. talking points, but they, had, they would have a list of things we couldn't talk about. And some were so obtuse that had they never mentioned it, it wouldn't have yeah, been in our brain. But now we're like, oh, my yeah. God, whatever you do, don't say Missouri Mosley. Now they're stuck in your know, head. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're like, you do, do don't
3: mention Missouri Mosley. Do we're like,
0: who the hell is Missouri Mosley?
3: <laughs> we, we won't. Uh, my, my favorite was the fact, you got to remember that, that Misha and I used to have to go out there on Friday and, and arrive there and stay there and then do the press for the year. So after eight years, we were bored out of our minds trying to find things to do. And so all the great photographs of me and Misha and all the great little snippets of me and Misha are from literally doing 12 hours a day of Warner Brothers Talking Points to 150 different sources. And the boys would come out on the next day and do that. And then everybody would, you know, bar me, would go out and have a drink after we'd done the, the, the big deal. And then we'd go over to Nerd HQ and those were the ones that were insane. I mean, that was just we got horses, heads. And right. I mean, you'd have to watch if you haven't watched them, watch them. But it was, you know, we, we, we do the big thing about about the supernatural um, uh, announcement, uh, Hall H announcement was the story so far. So we would show the clips of what we'd just been doing. And we were now what we would be in episode four or something by the time we got there. Yeah. It's always about episode yeah. four. So we yeah. only had stuff from one, two, three and four. And they would cut a reel to show a teaser of where we were going. And I, I, it was just so much fun to do. Yeah. And people stayed up all night and yeah. queued outside. And Misha used to send pizza to a mall. Yeah. And it was just, it was, an, it was a monumental it thing was. for a show that was so small yeah. in mm-hmm. conventional footprint. It has such a massive impact on so many right. people. I wanted to ask you guys something. How did you meet?
1: Ooh. Oh, oh! I'll will t- tell you, Rob and I—the actual like—I think we we crossed paths in our life just being of similar type and auditioning, you know, for for similar things. But we really met in the supernatural world. I think we got paired to do a convention. We got paired to do a panel together. Like, wasn't that it? No,
0: no. Actually, before that, I mean, yes, we did. We had we have we tell it as a funny story, but we our paths crossed a lot. Um. I, I, I shot a, a sitcom that he was friends with the showrunner. We it was different things. I, yeah, we would uh, just bump into each other in the, bump into in each the other industry. And he, I knew were. him as this big commercial actor. If Rich was in the waiting room, you audition for commercials, you are like, "Well, I am out. It's, this guy's gonna get it." Um,
3: <laughs> but you say that about everybody, <laughs> That's Rob. It doesn't matter. Even like some ninety-four year old lady sitting next to yeah. you. Ah, I'm I am out. Them. I'll never get this <laughs> stronger choice. Um, uh.
0: So then, um, then Rich and I, uh, the band, played a one-off show at the Burbank Convention. Out by the airport, right? And Rich was there, and kind of a, 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 watched our show, and then stood in line with the rest of the fans to get our autograph afterward. And got it came up to our table and was like, "Hey, I'm Rich. It's really you how guys you really charge mean, him? What's that?
3: Yeah, I still have that. It's he's very rich. expensive. How much should you charge him? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> and Norton wouldn't
1: personalize. You know what I mean? Like everybody else, <laughs> dear Rich. Norton's like, sorry, buddy.
0: Yeah, was yeah.
1: because, it. because he's a
3: drummer and he can't. Yeah. That's that's that because he's a drummer and he going <laughs>
0: <laughs> and you know, And that was when we kind of officially – but then Rich and I um, – I, I remember f- bonding with him and going, oh, wow, this guy and I really get it in the same way. We were in Rome. It was the first year I was in Rome, and you were there too, Mark. At, but that's exactly that, right, man. Rich and re- I got re- there you know early.
1: That's right. We both ended up walking around Rome mm-hmm. to kill time, like mm-hmm. with a jet-lagged day of like mm-hmm. let's just go and walk and not yep. not walk. And I yeah, think with Sebastian was a part of that. And Sebastian. Group. And I and I, I you're exactly right. And that's where I were thinking, shit, man, this guy's funny. And our senses of humor seem to like compliment each other. Like mm-hmm. I was like, Very
3: much know, so. I mean, you two are fantastic with each other. It's I mean, we're all we're all good at doing what we need to do, um to 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 keep the funny going. But you guys have something special there, which you've always had, which I well, love. Thank you. And it, I love that it turned into, you know, getting you up on stage and singing, which you, you sort of decry doing for a long time. Oh, yeah. 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 You, you, were, you were really nervous. Kicking and screaming, I went.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so honestly, good. like you, Mark, like I'd been in bands, but it'd been, I didn't have your musical career, but I had been in bands as a young man, but it'd been years. Like I had stopped. Yeah. I, I stopped as soon as I started, as soon as JC and I started having children, I stopped playing music, really. Yeah. So it had been 10 years since I'd, done anything on a stage with anybody and my entire musical career had been based on the idea that i bet i get i bet i can wrangle free beer out of this like it, it was never like the rich bait show it was like me and five guys going if they give us a couple of pictures you guys want to play five hours yeah okay and that's what we would do and we were cover bands yeah, like we, were the, we weren't loud and swing. we were playing all the blues of everything you know old old rock and stuff in from college forward we'd, we'd like have the occasional original but basically that's not what we did we were we were a band like play whatever
3: so have you have you done the uh um the this question is for jim bit
1: no i don't think we've ever done the this not question is the for the no so, no
3: it's the greatest it, it's a great I, bit I, I, I,
1: it, it's and it's one of rob's uh I mean, on the highlight reel for Rob Benedict, and and (laughs) there's something our audience should know because they see a lot of happy-go-lucky Rob on this podcast and this (laughs) show. But there's nothing funnier than an angry Rob. There's (laughs) nothing funnier than an angry Rob, and you know I'm right, Rob, because there's like when you get mad, dude. That's when the that's when the speed bumps come out, and the comedy is going boom, 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 boom.
3: he starts shaking, he gets 40 times fuck, faster. Yeah, that'd be my French. <laughs> it goes up. It's so yeah. good.
1: And that's when he like, was an old just so you know, the original <laughs> this question is for Jim. Audience of one. Me. Because we uh-huh. were on an airplane uh-huh. and he had a meltdown because, when he found out I the tried. Ross that he wasn't invited to Brazil. Right. But
0: Jim Michaels the, was. For the Brazil yes, for the Brazil convention. <laughs> he had an Producer absolute
1: apoplectic was. meltdown. <laughs> and did a bit that i literally had to ring the flight attendant because i would lost my ability to breathe i'm like i was <laughs> dying it was genius so me, i let me go i was like come on rob explain
0: and, yeah so the, 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 i was like i was like what are they gonna ask jim you know and and i well, you gotta set up,
1: this... you gotta who's jim like you're giving the whole scenario right, so for G- everybody. so
0: jim michaels is the line producer right dear friend a lovely of fella. Yeah. dear friend lovely man um but the line producer of supernatural and Um, and he was on the roster of the people that were going to be in Brazil. And I just, I couldn't imagine like what, why, how that was more. Because typically
1: for people who haven't gone to concerts, usually actors are the the guests,
0: actors. And I wanted to go to Brazil. (laughs) And so they, uh, Going up
3: already. It's going up already.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And so I was like, what are they going to ask him? You know? And, and, and so I started doing this bit, which is essentially, you know, (laughs) this person in the audience who knows, I know everything about making TV shows so they're like, you know uh, oh my god, uh, you know uh, and uh, by the way, Rich does this so much better than me and that's why we have say <laughs> I, I get, the bit got spaded from me Yeah, Rich took the idea and he ran with it and made it uh, I, First of all, I, I,
1: that's not true because to this day Eugenie of Bob and Eugenie says oh, I heard Rob do the original because Eugenie heard the story And she wanted to hear the original. She wanted to go back and hear the original. You know, she heard somebody else covering Satisfaction and then found out it was a Stones tune. You know, she wanted to go back and hear the original (laughs) and she, and she, wherever you did the bit for her, she returned Uh, to set going, he's a genius. You can pack it away. (laughs) Like
0: anyway. Yeah. It's a person who knows who asked these questions. But my question is for Jim. Like I, I, you know, Misha, huge fan, Jensen, Jared, everybody else. But, but my question is for Jim. Um, you know, and then uh, proceeds to ask Jim some some TV making question, and anyway, Richard was in was was rolling with laughter, and then you know, as soon as we as soon as we all got back together again, Rich told the story as as his own. And um, no, no, you know, not
1: it, true. <laughs> I always gave you credit. I always gave you credit. <laughs> that, I would always say like Benedict did this bit on the plane, and it c- killed me. And, <laughs>
3: no. I, to Jim, Jim was crying. well. This is where you're
1: a well, nutbag. Shepard, because you are, like, we're doing it in the green room of Brazil, and it's destroying. I'm like, oh my god, I love you so much, but, you know, and doing the whole thing, because Rob, when Robert did yeah. it, he did this high voice fan, It's like, uh, next question, uh, I just want to say, it's so wonderful to have you in my country, and oh, sorry! it's like, it's like standing in pure light, Dad, and your hair looks like Jesus himself did your your wig. But my question is for Jim. Uh, Jim, <laughs> when you're working with the tech in Ukraine, but uh, you do not have a union operator now given it's an indie but you're pulling up the big box for the big toy so
2: here comes a union rep and you need them like you need a second asshole so what do you do do you put the pin in the whole show plan or do you
1: say yeah no problem and you put the fake weird big beard and wig on your non-union operator and have them sneak in the back door and do the shot anyway you know, like, they're trying to ask the most and then technical. We on. We We you know, yeah. just like,
0: so you get goldenrod pages that morning
3: and the studio breathing down. It had,
1: the more technical the question, yeah. the better the bit. And it kept doing it. It was, so it
3: was so specific. It was like, it was to do
0: with overtime yeah. hours yeah. and cream. Right, right, right. So we're shooting day for night. But, but, but Richard, tell, tell what, what, what Jim's well, reaction. Then, well,
1: then, well, then Shepard goes, we're doing this bit in the green room in Brazil. And we all end up in a van, and Shepard turns to me like an a-hole and goes, hey, Jim's in the van. And he goes, hey, Rich, do my question is for Jim for Jim. It was <laughs> never on my <laughs> never in my battle plan to do the bit for Jim <laughs> because it was Rob, like, venting about it. So I'm like, oh, man. And I literally sort of flop sweating. I'm like, I, I, I don't know – and and Mark's like, come on, it's going to kill. Which is always a death sentence, by the way. As soon as somebody says, your bit's hilarious, hilarious, do it for yeah. the guy it's about.
3: It, it killed. It literally killed. He was great. But don't
1: forget the first thing he said. I go, I did the bit. And I'm like, blah, 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 blah. And he's like. Did your location scout get a uh, waiver? I mean, like he literally, he, asking, he, he, he asked, like he had a, a real question. I'm like, Jim, that's not the, that's your, it's a, it's a fictional. <laughs> that's why it was brilliant. So real, <laughs>
0: like,
1: I mean, his answer was technical. He's like, well, walk me through how many background you got.
0: Uh, <laughs> you know, actually that's a Bob Singer question. I
3: can't, uh... <laughs> now that's the rule. Now people begin to understand what the rule is. If it's funny. You do it. If somebody hands you the ball, you got two choices. You look at it or you pass the ball. Yeah,
1: you know? yeah. I got... You, and Mark teed yeah. me up for one of my funnier bits in France where Mark literally came out. And, I mean, this is how to steal focus without saying, I'm going to steal focus. Mark came out and laid down on the sofa.
3: No, between two well, chairs. I mean, but
1: like, completely eliminating my ability to sit. <laughs> and <laughs> took over... And I'm like, what are you doing? And, and he goes, and, and, back, and backstage he had said, I'm gonna do this thing. I'm like, oh cool. He went on to say, didn't do that thing, did a whole different thing. And he laid out on the thing and I'm like, what the hell? So then I'm like, shit, I got it. So I went in the audience and that's when the, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, bit came from, which is me scooting through the audience, which they thought was hilarious.
3: 35 minutes of school French, <laughs> 35 minutes of school French. It was so yeah. good. And I just sat there laying on my back with a microphone. Occasionally, I'll go, no. Yeah. And that <laughs> he, was it. And,
1: and, I, and I I came off, sweated through my clothes, do, like doing my excuse and moi bit, doing all the heavy lifting. We came off stage and said, Mark, you mofo. I literally had to do all the work in that panel. And he looked at me dead serious and says, you're welcome. <laughs> because it because had been really funny. <laughs> it, had, it had paid off. But it was...
3: Well, there's a rule. If you're funny or you're good or you're what, you know, that's the point. That's the whole point. Yeah. The band was too good to be doing covers. Um, you know, the, the actors are too funny to be doing yeah, written. Boring, uh, yeah. run-of-the-mill stuff. And it's whoever got, you know, going with it was Well, everything. I will you say know, that
1: that's I, having seen how the model started and where it went in the convention world, where it's like one guy in a stool answering mundane questions, turning turn to the right, then turning to the left, and you know, it's just that energy's vacuum. You know, by the time we were doing this really well, it was a well, it, it was fun. You know, what I mean, it's very improv with I anybody. Obviously, robbing me together. It, but but it, it comes
3: down to the common denominator, which is we owe the audience, and we trusted each other. The,
1: like that, that's the other thing. Yeah. No matter who you got paired with, you're like, okay, I, I, whatever. We'll make this is we've never been paired before. Cool. We'll mix this up. Right now, Mark, you used it to works, say something yeah. else that I wanted to bring up. Bring up because I thought it was really cool. You were always such a proponent way before this volatile series of elections of the last you know, four to six years. You've always been such a vocal proponent of people getting involved in politics, in local politics, which I always thought was really cool. You always used your platform as a performer and a man who had a microphone and an audience to always, again – Wrap up your session with, yeah, vote for president, but also vote for councilman, vote for your local people. School board. Yeah, school. Pay dude. attention to what's going yeah. on and vote. Because you always say, like, I'm a, I'm a new American. I was a you know, like, and you would use
3: that a newly minted American. Always just say, newly minted American. And listen, uh, before anybody gets weird about this or whatever, you have to understand that the basis of this is I think America is the greatest country in the world. I do. And, and I've thought that for many, many years and we have our faults and we have our issues and we have our stuff and we're sometimes we're an elephant and we get going and it's really hard to steer or it's really hard to change anything that we do, but it is still the greatest country in the world, just from the, just from the possibilities, just from the sheer ability for us to do it. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, you know Americans are you know flight 93 they're the three service people on a train in France they're the people you tell an american what is going on he gets up and he does something about it that's the way it's been and that's what i've always looked up to i've lived in other countries i've lived in socialist countries i've lived in all sorts of, of, of different places in in europe right and the truth of it is is our system as as fallible as it can be is still the best system in the world and it's but it's made up and it's bigger than the sum of its parts and so my talking about voting is not specifically about voting for somebody that I, 100%, I, like.
1: and, and I should have said about, that it was never, no, no, but
3: it's hard to me It's that I will fight for your right to right. vote mm-hmm. because when I was, when I was made an American, there was a president, our first black president in 40 feet high giving us a message and say, right, you've got all these rights. What are you going to do about your responsibilities? And your responsibilities, your civic duties, your community duties, all the rest of this stuff. How can we help? Because that's a lot of what has gone away. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of shouting, there's a lot of stuff going on. But we are people that when we help, a change comes. And when you've been part of the supernatural family as long as we have, we see it actually working. We have seen it working. Mm-hmm. As simple as, as, you know, a phone call between you two uh, in Toronto.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. Right? Mm-hmm.
3: Um, I can think of a lot of other shows where that phone call wouldn't have happened. Yeah. I can think of a lot of other circumstances where that wouldn't have happened, but not on this show, not with these people, not with not with the way that goes. And you know, as I say, I've said it many times in conventions. It's like you know, somebody falls over in a convention, fifty people go to help in a supernatural convention, and then somebody will shout, "Stand back, give them some room," because that's usually over over appreciated. But there's people there who understand and people who care and it's and it's by being vocal about what has happened to ourselves it covers all the spectrum it's political it's socio-political it's it's but it's inclusive it's such an inclusive thing there's, there's we don't give a damn about sex and gender and we do give a damn about the fights over it but we do do not give a damn about your sex your gender who you sleep with who you love um who you vote for but that's not what it's about it never has been and and it's the most egalitarian system i've ever seen is is the microcosm of the supernatural family within you know this great system of ours mm-hmm. and and i think it's our duty you know those of us who care and though to encourage others to participate in their own future mm-hmm. and their own present whether they believe it's going to change something or not whether they it's not the point mm-hmm. the point being is to encourage people to take an active part in things that can help change their lives and help change other people's right. lives. We see so much kindness. We see so much care in supernatural. We see people having panic attacks. We see people having medical issues and, and immediately are helped. It's not, you know, somebody else's issue. It's our issue. So I think maybe, and maybe, maybe
1: you're, you're, one could say that your comment about getting involved is more than just about politics because you're right. It was never about parties. It was never about, and that's what I admired about it. It was never oh. like mm-hmm. vote for my guy. It was no, pay attention, no care get involved and i guess yeah. that you could kind of uh, use that approach to so many facets of life that's why i said
3: i think message. so i think that's a un- i think that's a universal message mm-hmm. and you know the trouble is is we've lost a lot of the ability to discourse oh yeah yeah uh, which i unfortunately believe is deliberate i think it's it makes certain bad things easier to do when people aren't talking to each other mm-hmm. i find when this country you know there's a, a strong GOP and a strong Democratic Party, um, things get done in a very different way, and I find that that, that it's become the politics of shouting mm-hmm. a lot and, and actually not doing anything, which appalls me because we have such ability, such power, such money, such you know, and and we do generally we have we have a country full of concerned people. I mean, I travel out, out to the you know to the poorest places in the world, where I see the kindest people in the world. You know, it seems to only get only change when it's about, you know, don't scratch my really expensive car, right, or right. don't get off my lawn. Right. Who are you? What are you doing here? And we, when we're not like that, when we, when we're encouraged to not be like that, we're in, all embracing and we're all uh, we're helpful and we're, we're people that care about each other. And I, you know, I'm sober, God, coming up 32 years. Amazing. And I saw it in AA for 32 years and I see it in supernatural conventions and I see it, but I do see it dribbling out and I do see the positivity of that. So you know, And I urge you as a true statement, it's like, I don't care who you vote for. I care that you read up who they are, who they're supported by, where the money's going, do your due diligence, look at your stuff and see who the right person is for you. That's the most important part. You know, but voting against your own interest is the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life. And and in a country that's so powerful and so able, that's what frustrates yeah. me more than anything else. You know? Yeah. And well said. Your interest may be different than mine. <laughs>
1: well said. Wow. Mark Shepard, thank you so much, man, for doing this. Uh, long overdue. Pleasure, my brother. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah. And, we, and- we, we Sorry it's been so long. We love having you on. We, we we love you. We love your work. We love all the experiences we've had together and uh, yes. so happy
3: to know you. And. Have you watched Doom Patrol uh, yeah. yet? I'm a
1: big yeah. I love Doom Patrol, and you're great Me on too. Doom Patrol.
3: I hope I hope you get a chance to come and play with us, uh, either yes, of you, actually.
1: I, well, well, I we, we both love to. We've got a
3: very favorable boss. We've got a very favorable boss. I hope you're pitching for well, that.
1: I, we, we are, um, we, we'd both uh, chomp at the bit to be involved because it's a great show. Truly a great show. If you haven't seen Doom Patrol, everybody, check it out.
0: Please check it out. Yeah.
1: Mark Shepard, everybody. Happiest of holidays. Happy New Thank Year. You, best sure. to your family. Love to your families. family. Everybody. Thank you too, so much buddy. for being a part of this.
3: All right. All the best. Cheers. It's the King's